You're listening to the Ace Broadcasting Network. Okay, podcasters, we're going to do something a little different tonight. We're going to do a love song for you from Ray and Jim. Um, so I hope you like it. Someday, when Ray and Jim are awfully low, when the world is cold, we will feel a glow, just knowing you're listening, and the way you're listening right now. Lovely, with your smile so warm and your cheeks so soft, there is nothing for Trey and Jim but to love you just the way you look tonight. Oh, yeah. Tonight, rich with each word, your tenderness grows, tearing our hearts apart. That laugh, that wrinkles are no. Touches Ray and Jim's foolish heart. Lovely, don't you ever stop listening. Keep that precious charm. Won't you please arrange it? Cause we love. Just the way you look to dark and trumpet time now. Here we go. Never, never stop listening. 
keep that breathless charm Won't you please arrange it Cause we love you Just the way you're listening Okay, welcome to everybody, and uh, I will do just a, a narrative just for uh, introducing a couple of new words, and eventually we'll be built on uh, moving towards, we're trying to understand kind of um, a little more about what, what I would call like a, the archaeology of a self. What is a self made of? How did it get that way? Where did it come from? Um of course, it's an absolutely amazing process. In fact, I just thought of this right now. And um, I'm with Ray in just a few minutes. We'll go right into our other part. A self, it's really something. What I just thought of is that um, 15 billion years ago, there was just like nothing. You know, there was no space. There was no dark. There was darkness. There was no light. There was absolutely nothing. And in a nanosecond, um, this tremendous universe, just this tremendous explosion occurred and this unending fire burnt for know, three million years or something. None, just, just fire, un unending, going further out and further out and further out. And when it cooled down, um, kind of an insignificant little galaxy, these little um, uh, planets and stars and stuff, they kind of form little families and one of them we call Milky Ways now. It was an insignific insignificant one, rather small one, but there was billions and billions of these um, of these galaxies an like unheard of amount of space and Tom, um, supernovas exploding into each other dark holes, all kinds of things and this one little small uh, galaxy and there was a star, our sun, and there was this rock circling around it, this planet. And that planet uh, in this small galaxy of, of trillions of galaxies is where the beginning of the possibility of this self came. So for a moment you think, oh my God, like if, just, if you can just get the feel of it in our lives and we think how important that, them, that there's a... a um, a magnitude going on of forces that are beyond our just paying bills and <clears throat> searching for kinds of reliefs and boredoms. So it's, and it, and it all happened in this little rock that's circula circulating around. And uh, from from that matter, through through body, through mind, and the birth of humanity, the birth of humans, um, and within that human now begin to conceive of a possibility of what evolution's even about and uh, what is a self. Otherwise, there would, have been, there would have been nothing even to view it. If these trillions of masses of things would have just circulated around and bumped into each other. And now there's something that could see it. 
I thought I was listening to Carl Sagan for a second. Yeah, that, that's very Carl Sagan-like, I know. It's really, you know, we are, Ray and I just sitting here realize that somehow all that boiled down to one, at least at one point, the idea that a self can come from that massive fire and um, explosions, a self came. What, what a miracle that is in some way. I mean, oh, my God. And somehow there's a responsibility to this self that can think and contemplate and, and in fact, look at evolution and come up with theories about evolution in this one little rock that circles one insignificant star. Holy, holy mackerel. Um, wow. If we really had any idea, we could really get the touch of the magnitude of that and the, the gift of life and the gift of mind and thought, it would be mind-blowing. Oh, by, by the way, I've been sick, so you're going to kind of hear, a, I don't know what it sounds like, um, a little different sound in my voice, probably a little lower, um, because I've had the flu this last uh, uh, four or five days. It sounds sexier, Jim. Sexier, yeah. yeah well, that, I could use that. Yeah, that would be good. Mm. <laughs> and we may get a Viagra commercial and... That um, Okay, so from matter, from dirt to spirit, all those steps along the way, from that rock, circulating rock, to all the steps that produce later on, which we'll get into more of that in, in the podcast, uh, maybe a later time, to spirit, to body, to mind, and eventually spirit, or the highest of all. And we're part of that. Okay. So first, with Ray and I, we always, and for the people at home, we, we try to see if you want to be part of the consciousness of working right here, right now. So I check myself out. I, I see my feet are on the floor, and, and I see how my back is doing. My back is pretty upright. Um, checking in with my breathing. So that, the idea of that, at beginning with Ray and I, is to really feel our existence in this room. Remember that existence came from that explosion and somehow that existence ended up in, in Ray and I and your being. It's a very precious thing, that thing called existence. So we want to really be here to experience that existence. And the other thing I want to um, uh, just introduce something spoken about in psychology, subpersonalities are fragment, fragmentary eyes, meaning that we're more than one. There's, uh, you can be able to see this in yourself. So in our psyche, we have, we're the emo we have the mind, we have the emotions, and now we're introducing the idea of a witnessing eye that could view the minds and, the, and emotions. That's another you know, unbelievable thing we have that we the way we could witness evolution, we could witness the workings of our mind and our body and the unification of the two. So, Ray, for you, this idea of subpersonalities or anything you would want to talk about that we had talked about earlier? Well, I was thinking, you know, with the Big Bang just now when you were explaining that, like our origin is so violent. 
you know, but yet to become a human being, it's, it's contradictory to, you know, its origin because of the Big Bang and this whole thing and, you know, the sun and the planet and everything else. I mean, it's just, it's, it moves at such a rapid rate and that whatever it's doing, expanding or contracting. But when I talk to you, it's like the, the biggest thing is to get centered and to be, have a witness and to, and to get quiet essentially. Now, I, I don't understand that leap, like from its inception that's so, you know, I mean, I understand it, but it's like the inception of it's so loud and so, you know, overwhelming, and yet to get quiet, how contradictory mm -hmm. all that is. That kind of blows me away. Yeah, that is, that is quite something to be. The birth of all of this was quite explosive, beyond anything we could even imagine. But, you know, as time went on, as you've mentioned that point, it got more subtle. I mean, it had this fiery, fiery period. But when things settled down, elements began to develop. Um, it got quiet. Those so certainly, certainly going on all over the place anyway. Stars are bumping into each other and so on. In fact, the Earth, our Milky Way, um, there's another uh, galaxy closest to us that racing towards us. Um, for this other mass explosion that will come someday. Uh, they're going to meet our, our Milky Way, the Andronian, uh, I'm not sure what the other one's name, but they are the moving. Centauri? What? Centauri. Um, um, no, I'm, not, I'm not sure even if I would hear it, except I know the process of it. And they're racing towards each other. And of course, there's tremendous movement in the universe, a movement in a way that we can't measure and we don't have the tools really to measure, though astronomy is certainly getting uh, closer and closer and, and has measurements already. But um, And then the, what they're telling us that will definitely happen, it's just a matter of time, but I mean time in that world, no, three, five, eight million years, and then they'll blend into each other and they'll become almost like a large, beautiful light, <laughs> two big like a big sun lighting in the sky, but there'll be two in one. No longer two galaxies, but one is one large galaxy. Um, but it, but it gets subtler, even as when it got to you to um, um, microscopic life and um, you know animal life, plant life. All of that got still violence in it, but more subtle. So. And then the, and the question you're raising, then what's asked of us then is even something more subtle. Like it's going, there's a, there's the, there's a tremendous power of the evolution, and then there's a, a transformation into subtleness. Yeah, it's kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. You know, which is that, that and I, I have a problem with that, you know. I mean, I, I battle with that all the time. But um, as far as like fragment itself, or different eyes, you know, I, I, you know, I mean, I could put everything down and go play basketball for four hours, and, you know, I have, I have different personalities that are in charge, depending on the moment, at any given moment, you know, that are triggered by different things, too. You yeah. know, some are triggered by a cigarette, some, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, we've all mm -hmm. been at the bar and seen somebody change on you right in front of your eyes, 
you know, and that's pretty amazing. I mean, I, I'm guilty of it, you know, and, and then what you do with that, you know, and where that leads you and where it takes you. Because that's, that could be, you know, that could be a life right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, fragmentary eyes that have their own independent independence and um, fighting for their own little life and whatever nurtures them. So that's one of the major things in moving on to a transformation of um, the animal consciousness to something higher is that we'll have to go through and actually see and experience as they come up with this part we're calling um, the witness of all of all this functional life that this wi- that this witness is like literally a highest part of ourselves, the most subtle part, the part that's not even interacting with him at the beginning. This so this and plus the witness I think has a foot in another level of consciousness too. But there's a potential part of you and I that is the highest part and it might be very well based on the power of the witness to be able to hold still as as all the functions of a functional life change and go all different ways. Is it like the witness's responsibility to, to kind of hold the, the different personalities in check? You know, like I, I I think of it like, okay, I gotta go get this pair of shoes or I'm in love with this or I'm in love with that and you know, it, mm-hmm. it, yeah. And then you know, you look at it or you get it, then you suffer these buyer's remorse or whatever you wanna call it and then mm-hmm. you know, or then you look at your closet and you got fifty five shirts you haven't worn and you you stick to the same seven. All that kind of crap. And we all have it. Yeah. I mean so you know, how do you how do you nip that in the bud? Well, you don't so much nip it in the bud. The power of those parts of ourselves are very strong. And it's not getting a battle totally against having something strong enough in ourselves to meet these other forces, these habits, these tendencies, these addictions and obsessions and that are very powerful. But the, the act of really seeing them what we're calling to witness, means some way you stand back a little bit. You're not totally enveloped in them, at least uh, while the witness is a little active. Though you, that may be swept away too. It might be so strong that the anger comes or um, you know, the, um, the desire comes, the passions come, and so on. But we have a possibility of Something that we we don't think much of right now that um, can stand back and see it. There's something about seeing something that gives a little distance, but the work of it takes place in the sense that we got to keep doing it. Um, the hardest part is that we don't have any patience with it and we don't have any experience. And when... The, the meditators would know more about this. They're able to do that more. They're able to sit and see more of what's coming up in them. So it's not so much bombing them out of the way 
as is the slowly takeover of something that's seeing them and their power as being decreased gradually. Something like that. Yeah, it takes a long time. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole... Our lifetime is not that long of a time. Yeah, but it would take, uh, would take a lifetime of work. Um, remember we talked about that image I gave of that there's, there's kind of a quiet place in us, but surrounding it is a cyclone. Remember that one? That, yeah. that cyclone is just what we're talking about. And this quiet place is not going to be particularly going to um, battle force by force with it. But it's possible if that, that quiet place was quiet enough, consistent enough, had practices enough, and particularly the practice of meditation and the mindfulness, and particularly could work with a school or group, then they can get stronger and stronger and begin to eventually even blend. The cyclone won't be as strong anymore, and some kind of unification comes in. So that's, that part is the most difficult, the struggling with the cyclone. How, you do sit, you sit every day, right? Yeah. Mm. How much do you do? Uh, I sit a half hour in the morning, and then, um, I, then I, I then I also meditate with a group. That's a whole different kind of medi- meditation. I mean, that's that's uh, when I go uh, to the Gurdjieff work. I sit with the group then. So that's uh, there are other sittings like that, and then on Sunday, that's another place of a possible group sitting. And the other part I do on my own in the morning. So that's uh, that's the idea of. Uh, so with a group, there's a very very powerful feeling in sitting. You would have to know it if you sat with a hundred people. It's quite a energy comes in the room. But if you do your individual sitting, let's say in the morning, half hour every day, yeah, right? and you have a group that afternoon or whatever, you'll go and you'll do both. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll do both. Then. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's many times where I do the morning, and then I know when I go some special occasions, like it was the anniversary of uh, Gurdjieff's death. So they had an evening program, and there's always sitting. It's a world like with Zen and that whole Eastern world. The big part of it is to still yourself and sit and and face what, why you can't and face those parts of you that can't stand the idea that you're sitting and so on. So I would, yeah, in those cases, I would do the morning sitting, and then when they had the evening. Um, how how <clears> long <throat> would how long would the group sit for? Sits groups about forty five minutes. <coughs> it, it varies. There's some that have gone longer. Like will there be a <coughs> hundred people in this thing? They'll be at the Gurdjieff meetings. More or less. Sometimes there'll be more. It could be as high as two hundred. But you'll have a whole group there sitting silent and, me, folks. <clears throat> and for 45 minutes straight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now picture every family, you know, that can't pull together three minutes together. No <laughs> way. Like not a chance, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty. That's incredible. And how long have you been sitting individually, like for a half an hour a day? 
Well, half hour. I didn't start with a half hour. Let's say when I got involved with, um, <clears throat> that was about thirty-five years ago. I couldn't do sit. I couldn't sit at all. <clears throat> but gradually, taking a few minutes, going through that, you know, four, five, seven, eight, ten minutes at a time, I gradually worked up to it. So, uh, was the beginning the hardest? Yeah, when when you haven't sat at all. And this is different for different people. Some people take to it. Yeah, I've battled with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a really hard time with it. Yeah, well, so, yeah, I did too. And, and still do. It's not, particularly if something is hot for the day, I want to get to it, I want to go there. And um, I really, really have to get up real early. So I have like a busy schedule. Then I realize if I get on that schedule, I'm not going to sit. But if I'm going to sit, I'm going to have to sit early in the morning and uh, so that time, by the time my day begins the sitting is uh, the sitting is harder as the longer you go into the day and do things yeah because you get off track yeah you know, and now you're busy and now you really don't have time for it now you can't settle yourself so I always make sure I do it as early as I, the earliest is the best I mean early in the morning 5 o'clock Five, let's say I last 10 now. So you've been sitting for 35 years. But let's say I last 10 years. How many days do you think you've missed? Oh, jeez. Uh, probably uh, days of illness. Now, through this, through this, uh, <laughs> through this uh, flu, I did, I sat anyway. Um, uh, that I voluntarily missed it? Oh, God, I don't know. Not many. No, I mean, I... Like one hand kind of thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's... Yeah, one hand. That's something. And sometimes at night, too, um, when I feel like... Um, I could, there was a... Med- I couldn't go to the... There was a meeting where they were going to meditate the, the night that I was sick. I thought to myself, I can't get there, so I'll do it alone. I'll sit the same amount of time they're going to be sitting, but I'll do it in my house and not with them because I was wasn't traveling very well then. So uh, I'll, sometimes I'll, I'll do that too. But the the idea about the sitting is that you almost really need a community. Just it's hard just to sit with no. I mean, it could be done. There are people that um, just do it on their own. But if you're part of a school, it's 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 part of the school's practices. Hey Jim, there, there, name one school besides the one you already have. I mean, it's not it's not too readily available. You know what I mean? School means any place where they gather, people gather, that are going trying for higher consciousness with with practices and some sort of um guru or leader that has a lot of consciousness that would take in traditions too, Sri Aurobindo and Ramana Krishna and the whole Zen world they're all like schools many many of them I always looked at them as cults <laughs> mm-hmm. well, then there's cults too but you know, the, the schools are different they have a legitimate it's not a fake and has going through consciousness himself and has prescribed uh, a method. You know, kind of have to follow, at least at the 
well, all your life you realize it, but methods are particularly important when you're um, uh, because you you don't have enough self you can't do it yourself so you need to lean on something you need help you need somebody could help you to to um, begin to work with that self discipline who who got you into it oh god I mean I'm into it because of you you know I mean yeah. I would have I would you know it'd be famine around here if I if I didn't run into you when I was thirty but who who helped you. Well, I'm a funny, I'm trying to think. So it's way back. It's about 40 years ago. Well, how old was I then? Oh, 40? I 40, yeah. 40, yeah. I'll help you out. Um, I think I, I met a woman at some conference or something, and she began to tell me about it. And it sounded interesting. And some. And she also recommended a book. Were you dating this woman, or was this just... Um, let me see. Did I date her? Don't pretend like you don't remember, either. I can't remember. Ah, yeah. Come on. High temperature for five days. I can't uh. remember. My, my... <laughs> okay, so you were dating her, and high <laughs> temperature for five days. Well, I'm starting to black out. <laughs> what is that? You black out. Um, yeah, I probably, yeah, I think I was in the class. Yeah, now, I think I did date her. Um, and she was in the work. So through her influence and through reading Search for the Miraculous by Ospensky, then I began to meet with someone and and to see if I could be in the work. Yeah, that, that began something like, something like that, began in that way. <clears throat> And did you yourself ever go to a, a shrink? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I'd probably be going to him today if he didn't. He died suddenly. Um, and how old were you when you started? I mean, you started pretty late in the, with this stuff, right? No, I went um, way back when I lived in Philadelphia. And I started to now be with musicians. And musicians are always kind of... Uh, they kind of know what's going on in the world of therapies and improvements and so on. Yeah, I met somebody that was in Reiki therapy, body therapy, and uh, he was going there. <sighs> mm. I remember the name, Dr. Hershkowitz. I don't know if he's still, wonder if he's still alive. You, so you went to a guy named Dr. Hershkowitz? Uh, yeah, he was going to him, and then this was in Philadelphia, and... Um, this is sounding like Dr. Strangelove now. Mm -hmm. And then I, he told me about him. And um, when I was about 21 or 22. And I kind of took a chance. <clears throat> and I went into beginning body therapy, which is a whole thing in itself. Um, yeah, so but there wasn't like a uh, talking therapy so much. It was a release of tensions and body work and so on. So I did that. Would you like scream in there, or do they? Like... Yeah, yeah. You let you let your voice out, let your anger out. Was like like that, like John Lennon with the primal scream kind of stuff. Uh, well, no, like no, something a little. There's something to have in common. But would you hold something when you were doing it? Like describe it. I mean, did you get a pillow, or did you have like a mm -hmm. like? Did they have a stuffed mannequin or something? Um. 
Let me think. Um, you lay down like, uh, like kind of a like a, a medical table or something, I mean, something where you. I'm trying to think. Well, you could you could reach out and you could wave your arms and scream and holler, and, and a therapist would direct it. Um, let's see, yeah. And um, and you got a lot of you got a lot of release that way. You can punch this material, and, and um, yeah, you could punch it with a pillow too, yeah, or something like that. I could punch that too, but it was a release of feelings, and he knew how and the technique to loosen areas up. That he knew how to work the muscles so you could release from the throat, which were all very tight in throat, around the neck and the chest. He would go like and release those uh, <clears throat> muscles so you could have... Uh, a lot of musicians want to. A lot of artists kind of. What's more of the art world? The Reichian therapy, Wilhelm Reich, he was an associate of Freud and broke away from Freud. And uh, because of the war and Hitler, who was after him, he was a very revolutionary guy. And um, he ended up in Louisville, Kentucky, and um, of all places, but, uh, you know, just uh, saved his life. He came back, he got into the United States, began, and then New York, and began to train therapists in New York. And then eventually, uh, he died in prison in Louisville. Uh, they got him trumped up. They were afraid of him. They heard about the things he was doing. And um, they got him for crossing some line of thing, like crossing, bringing something across the state lines. And they put him in jail for it while he was waiting to be heard. And he just... Uh, so he was like the Kevorkian of his day. The Kevorkian. And in one way... Um, Oh, he he was a very extraordinary man. It's under a psychology hasn't given. He wrote something called character analysis. Um, that was very extraordinary book. And he's from the he trained with Reich and part of the psychoanalytical world. Very extraordinary man, and and he brought this idea of body work and the importance of body in psychotherapy. So. Um, yeah, he was a wonderful, also wonderful musician. He was an organist and wrote music and artist. And it's a shame he died too early. He had a lot, had a lot more to give. Um, okay. I, had, I had to go to court-mandated um, therapy when I was a kid. You yeah, know, well, I, I was well, stealing and I got caught stealing. I was about, I forget, like uh, 14, 15, something like that. What was that like? Going to the court mandated one? Yeah. Well, you gotta go, you know, get a ride there with my mom or dad. Well, no, it was my dad, because my mom didn't drive, and it was on Magnolia in Burbank. It was called Bridge. I remember oh. it was called Bridge because, and they spelled it out like a hand, like the hand yeah. was coming to help you. I, think kind I of remember thing. that place, yeah. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and it was just fucked up wayward kids and, you know, adolescent pregnancies mm -hmm. and drug addiction and everything else. And I was in there for, you know, because I had to go. I had to do like five sessions or seven sessions. I remember after the third session, the woman said, you know, you're, you're fine. You don't have to come back. <laughs> Which he was right at yeah. that time, but yeah. I mean, considering what what was going on around me, I was you know I looked like you know I was I was a preacher's kid there versus the other kids you know, 
And uh-huh. then, um, but then, and then I went a couple of times outside of that, like in my twenties, I went a couple of times, but none of them caught. You know, I remember there was a Dr. Z, she, the woman, and she only wore like Liza Adler and stuff like that, you know, which is a designer. And I just was not, I, I, I didn't get anything from her. And then, um, and my little brother goes back to therapy. He said his therapist fell asleep on him the other week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I ran into you and it, it made sense. I mean, I went to three or four mm-hmm. others and I, I didn't, I didn't really feel anything. I didn't get anything from it. And then when I went to you and it did take, <clears throat> it took, it took, you know, a couple of months to make any kind of sense. But I knew the first time I went, I needed to come back. I knew that. I knew that much right then. Mm-hmm. And I knew there was something there, you know, mm-hmm. what it is. I haven't got there yet, but I know there is something here and I know it's, I know it's well worth it. Hmm. Mm, okay. Well, uh, I see that we're. How are you feeling? To our end. Yeah, I'm feeling a little, a little tired. Um, but I'm also seeing our time is coming. The usual time we come to the end of our card pass about about podcast about thirty five minutes. Anyway, well, today we launched in an area I didn't expect we would. Uh, <clears throat> My early, uh, my early days of Reiki therapy in the in the nineteen fifties, I guess in the fifties it was, um, in Philadelphia. Hey Jim, would yeah. you ever like freak out and like cry in those things? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. There'd be that's a, that's a whole other part of it. Those the sadness that's inside and the way the therapist could work to uh, loosen up that area where the sadness begins to pour out. Yeah, there's, there's crying in it, all kinds of it, not just anger, but uh, all kinds of emotions and crying being one. Um, so Ray began to ask me today about that part. We kind of went on a lot about that. Um, and um, my experience in the consciousness world of um, of being in the Gurdjieff work in my 35 years and we talked about meditation. And early in that time, we talked about, um, when I first introduced, we talked about uh, introducing uh, maybe a new term for some people, uh, the fragmentary eyes or the, or the um, uh, self, we call it self, sub-cells. They call it self, sub-cell, sub-cells, yeah, sub-cells. Um, and then we talked also a little about psychic consciousness, which is being made up of the human uh, body, of the body, the mind. Then we introduced the idea of a third, which would be uh, the witnessing. The third that witnesses and can get stronger and stronger as, it, as you use it more, and particularly if you're meditating, getting stronger and witness the functioning life. So they're the things we covered today. We actually did cover much more than I thought we would. Okay, so let me let us both sign off. Hey, Jim, you should have a challenge out there um, to the listeners, like try and sit every day for the next week and see how it goes. All right, you can challenge me to that. All right, I'm taking it on, and I'll talk about it. Well, everybody heard it. Um, Ray said he's going to... He's going to take it on, then he's going to, you want to report, you mean like next yeah, week, report, how you doing? Yeah. Okay, so anybody else um, 
would like to just, um, we're not doing any special technique or be more, could be more relaxing. Uh, so I'm not going to uh, do that over the year at this point. But we're, um, we're, we're in the morning just to close your eyes. And for those that do want to try and just have a quietness about you. And you see what comes up. So Ray said he would try it and let us know next week. So anyway, yeah, we covered a lot of things this week. Look, I'm glad you were able to tune in. Oh, and I also did <clears throat> a um, a jazz thing before the show began that you'll be, you'll be hearing. And I'm trying to think of the jazz player, um, Misty, uh, a funky piano player, Earl, Earl Gardner. Yeah, he wrote this beautiful ballad called Misty, uh, very romantic. He was a very funky guy, playing wonderful uh, self-taught piano. I don't think he ever took a lesson. Um, and I did his tune in kind of the way I think he would have liked it. Um, so listen in for that too. Okay, so look forward to seeing you next week. Signing off, Ray and Jim. Check out Jim's new Twitter feed at LL Jim Carolla and send in your questions and problems for Jim to solve.